body aches at bedtime, Sierra Sil is a natural mineral supplement that supports joint health, calms inflammation, and we're so sure it'll work for you as it has for me and my husband for over 10 years. It has a money-back guarantee. Go to sierrasil.com, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L, and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to DRIFT. This is a place of long-known and loved stories, and we've compiled, rewritten, and tailored a hundred for you, right here to enjoy whenever you feel like sleeping or just taking a nap. Now, the authors of this story you are definitely familiar with, German brothers Wilhelm and Jacob Grimm. Some of their tales are quite dark, but don't worry. The Six Swans has been tenderized a bit in the telling here, for I want you to have sweet dreams, and, well, that's why. Thank you for letting me help put you into a happy place to take your mind off the world just for a bit and usher you into sweet dreams. Drift is made possible by my sleep sisters, Kathy and Kim, two RNs who founded Envy Pillow and make this podcast free for you. I first found Envy Pillow several years ago, back when I was suffering stress neck pain. Envy Pillow is the certified natural pillow infused with copper, antimicrobial and collagen boosting copper. Learn more in the morning, won't you? At Envy Pillow. That's E N V Y Pillow.com. And sleep with the best. Before we get into the six swans, let's take a few deep breaths together as you get set to drift off. We'll start with a big inhale and out. Good. And we'll do it again, this time consciously dropping your shoulders, releasing their hold, okay? In. And out. Now let's give your body some attention. Start at your feet, and if you're able, swivel them at your ankles. Good. Now the other direction. Now move up and clench your calves, holding and release. Now do the same with your thighs and your backside. Clench and let go, letting your body sink into your recliner, your bed, your airline or train seat, wherever you are. Now to your belly. Here, let's just take a big breath and fill your chest and your tummy. Now exhale and relax. Keeping your shoulders down, let's move to your arms and hands. Clench your fists and let them go, waving your fingers, waving the tension of your day goodbye. And finally, to your face. Let your jaw hang limp. No more tightening or gritting there. Now relax your eyes, close them heavily. Your eyebrows, they're down. 
and just let your neck release its hold and allow your head to rest heavily on your pillow. Finally, one more breath in, big and deep. And exhale now. And as you do, think these words. I am safe. I am loved. I am at peace. And if you're ready, let's drift. King Robert was once hunting in a large wood and pursued his game so fervently that none of his courtiers could follow him. But when evening approached, he stopped and, looking around him, realized that he had gotten himself lost. He sought a path out of the forest but could not find one. On and on he walked, and as the night became darker, finally he came upon an old woman. My good woman, said he to her, can you not show me the way out of the forest? Oh, yes, my lord king, she replied. I can do that very well, but upon one condition, which if you do not fulfill, you will never again get out of the wood, but will die of hunger. What then is this condition? asked King Robert. I have a daughter, said the old woman, who is as beautiful as anyone you can find in the whole wide world, and my dear girl well deserves to be your bride. Now, if you will make her your queen, I will show you your way out of the wood. Having few choices, and being a man who was, as it happens, in search of a life partner with whom he could share the riches of his life, the king consented. I will do as you ask. Now, you do as you promised. And the old woman did. She led him to her cottage, where her daughter was sitting by the fire. Strangely, she received the king as if she had been expecting him. They made conversation, and the king sensed that she was intelligent and lovely. And yet, there was something amiss, and this something made him shudder secretly when he looked at her. Hmm. Just the same, being a man of his word, he swallowed his misgivings, took the maiden upon his horse, and the old woman showed them the way. Late that night, King Robert arrived safely at his palace and announced to all who awaited him that the wedding was soon to be celebrated. The king had been married once before and had seven children by his first wife, six boys and a girl, whom he loved above everything else in the world. But he became afraid soon that his new bride might not treat his children very well, so he took them away to a lonely castle which stood in the midst of the forest. The castle was so entirely hidden and the way to it so difficult to discover that he himself could not have found it if a wise woman had not given him a ball of cotton 
which was magical indeed. You see, when he threw it before him, it unrolled itself and showed him the right path. The king went, however, so often to see his dear children that the queen, noticing his absence, became inquisitive and wished to know what he went to fetch out of the forest. Every time she asked, King Robert suggested he was only going hunting. And yet, time and time again, he came home empty-handed. This, of course, raised more suspicion in his increasingly nasty wife. So she gave his servants a great quantity of money and asked if they knew where it was the king's travels took him. They knew all right, and they disclosed to her the secret, and also told her of the ball of cotton, which alone could show her the way. She nearly drove herself out of her mind until she discovered where this ball was concealed, and then she made with the cotton some fine shirts. In each one, using a trick she had learned from her own mother, the old woman in the forest who introduced her to the king, she sewed within a charm. One day soon after, when King Robert had gone out again, this time actually to hunt, she took the little shirts and went into the forest. And sure enough, the cotton garments showed her the path. The children, seeing someone coming in the distance, thought it was their dear father and ran out full of joy. But as they did so, the woman threw over each of them a shirt that, as it touched their bodies, changed them into swans. The children, now glorious white birds, flew away over the forest. The queen then went home, quite contented, and thought she and her husband would be free of the distraction of his children. But Annabel, the little girl of the king's seven offspring, had not rushed out to meet the queen that day with her brothers. The following day the king went once again to visit his children, but he found only Annabel. Where are your brothers? asked he. Ah, oh, dear father, she replied, they are gone away and have left me alone. And she told how she had looked out of the window and seen them changed into swans, which had flown away over the forest. And then she showed him the feathers which they had dropped in the courtyard and which she had collected together. The king was much aggrieved, but it never occurred to him that his wife could have done this wicked deed. Still, as he feared his daughter might also be stolen away, he took her home with him. Annabel was, however, so much afraid of his new wife that she begged her father not to make her stay more than one night in the castle with him and her. The poor maiden thought to herself, This is no longer my home. I will go and seek my brothers. And when darkness came 
she escaped and went quite deep into the wood. She walked all night long and a great part of the next day until she could go no further from weariness. But then she saw a rough-looking hut, and going in, she found a room with four beds. But even in her state of exhaustion, she dared not get into one. Instead, Annabel crept under one of them, and laying herself upon the hard earth, prepared to pass the night there. But just as the sun was setting, she heard a rustling. Crawling to a window and raising herself up just enough to peer out, she could see six white swans come flying in her direction. They settled on the ground and began blowing at one another until all their feathers had drifted off and their swans down slipped from them like a cape. The girl recognized them immediately. They were her brothers. She jumped up and opened the door to the hut to welcome them inside. The brothers were equally surprised and glad to see their sister, but their joy was short-lived. You must not stay here, they said to her. This is a robber's hiding place. If they should return and find you here, you would come to great harm for sure. Can you not protect me then? inquired the sister. No, they replied, for we can only lay aside our swan's feathers for a quarter of an hour each evening, and in that time we regain our human form. But then we turn back into swans. With tears in her eyes, their sister asked them, Can you not be restored again? Ah, Annabel, they replied with a collective sigh. The conditions are too difficult. For you see, here's what it would take to break this spell. For six long years you must neither speak nor laugh. And during that time you must sew together for us Six little shirts made of fern fronds. It is too much to ask, dear sister, for should there fall a single word from your lips, then all your labor will be in vain. Then, just as the brothers finished speaking, the quarter of an hour elapsed, and they all flew away again, like swans. The little sister, however, made a solemn resolution to rescue her brothers or die in the attempt. For truly, no request, no strange demands were greater than her love for them. Heeding their warning about the bad men, she left the cottage and, penetrating deep into the forest, passed the night amid the high branches of a tree. The next morning she climbed down and went searching among the thick undergrowth of the majestic forest. There she collected the youngest ferns to sew together. She had no one to converse with, and she certainly had no spirits for laughing. So, climbing up in the tree again, she sat intent upon her work. 
After she had passed some time there, it happened that the king of the country was spending the day in the forest, and his huntsman came beneath the tree in which Annabel sat. Seeing her perched in its branches, they called to her and asked, Who are you? But she gave no answer. Come down to us, they called. We will do you no harm. She simply shook her head, and when they pressed her further with questions, she threw down to them her gold necklace, hoping they would simply take it and go away. They did not, however, so she threw down her jacket, but it did no good, and even giving them the clothing and the gold did not make them give up. At last, the huntsman himself climbed the tree and brought down the maiden and took her before King Stephen, who reigned over this land that was adjacent to her own. The king asked her, And who are you? What were you doing up in that tree? But she did not answer. Thinking her from a faraway place, he questioned her in all the languages that he knew but she remained as quiet as a fish. Since, however, she was so beautiful, young King Stephen's heart was touched, and he felt for her a strong affection and great pity. So he put around her his cloak, and placing her before him on his horse, took her to his castle. There he ordered rich clothing to be made for her, and, Although her beauty shone as the sunbeams, not a word escaped her lips. The king placed her by his side at the table, and her dignified manners and airs so won him over that he said, This maiden I will marry, and no other in the world. Just like that, a few weeks later, he wedded her, which she neither agreed to nor protested, for like her own father King Robert, King Stephen was kind and tender, and she was touched by his sympathetic nature. Now this king had a wicked mother, who was not at all pleased with her son's choice of a bride, and spoke evil of the young queen. Who knows where the wench comes from, she said, she who cannot speak is not worthy of a king. My son surely deserves only the best. But Stephen did not listen to her endless sniping and complaints. A year after, when the new young queen brought her firstborn into the world, the old woman took her grandchild away. Then she went to King Stephen and told him that his wife had done something awful to their firstborn child. For the babe was nowhere to be found. The king, however, would not believe it, and would allow no one to speak so ill of his wife, who sat, calm and collected, sewing at her shirts and paying attention to nothing else, lamenting the disappearance of her child. When a second baby was born, the false and wicked grandmother used the same deceit again. But King Stephen would not listen to her harsh words, saying, 
She is too pious and good to act as you describe, mother. If she could only speak and defend herself, her innocence would come to light. But when again the old woman stole away the third child and accused the queen, who answered not a word to the accusation, the king, who was heartbroken at all of this loss, had to give in to his mother's suspicions and allow his wife to be tried. She was found guilty of having neglected and perhaps even done worse to her three children. And so it came time for her sentence. She would be imprisoned in the tower adjacent to the castle in a fortnight at the start of the new month. Such sadness enveloped the entire kingdom the day of the sentencing. But the poor king could envision no other way to assure his people that his family, like all of theirs, was not above the laws of the land. When the two weeks had passed, and the sentence was to be carried out, and Annabel was to be jailed, it also happened to be the very same day when her dear brothers should be set free. For indeed it had been six long years, all of those days in which the quiet maiden who became queen of this kingdom kept her promise with silence while sewing and stitching all the tiny leaves of ferns to make the six shirts. And they too were ready, for the final finishing stitches had just been carefully applied that morning. Wordlessly, Annabel was led by her husband, the king, two soldiers, and King Stephen's mother, to the long drawbridge adjoining the castle and the tower. The queen placed the shirts upon her arm, and as she was approaching the middle of the bridge, she looked around her to take in the final sight of freedom she would ever enjoy. But as she did so, she saw six swans come flying through the air. Oh, her heart leapt for joy as she perceived her deliverers approaching. Soon the swans, flying towards her, landed on the chain railing of the bridge so near to her that she was able to throw over them the shirts she had so carefully created. And as soon as she had done so, their feathers fell off and drifted into the waters below. The brothers jumped down onto the bridge, alive and well. The siblings embraced and kissed each other, and the queen turned to King Stephen, who was thunderstruck, and said, Now may I speak, my dear husband? and prove to you that I am innocent and falsely accused? He nodded in stunned silence as Annabel told him her name and how his wicked mother had stolen away and hidden her three babies. When she had finished telling her story, the king was overcome with joy. But that swiftly changed to outrage at what his mother had done to his wife and his family. 
Immediately, the old woman was seized and taken along the bridge to the tower, where she lived out the rest of her days in the cell that she had envisioned for her daughter-in-law. From that day onward, King Stephen and Queen Annabel lived in peace and prosperity with her six brothers and the couple's three children. The seven siblings' father, King Robert, received word of his offspring's return and visited often, having banished his jealous wife to the humble castle in the forest in which he had once hidden his own seven children from her. The two lands joined together, both kings reigning side by side, and lived as a warm and close family, free of a wicked mother, a jealous spell-casting wife, and enveloped in love, to share their lives always, happily ever after. And with that, a tale of two kingdoms, six swans, oh, and no partridge, no pear tree. I will wish you a good night and sweet dreams. <laughs>